COVID-19 has left a devastating impact all over the world, affecting the economic, social, and political environment. All people are struggling to cope with this new normal. Criminals are taking advantage of the situation to sexually exploit children during this period. We know in times of crisis, marginalized groups bear the brunt of the crisis more than anyone else. COVID-19 has affected the economy such that a lot of people have lost their jobs. When people are financially struggling, children become more isolated and distanced from the support system networks that are usually available to them. Restrictive measures put in place by governments, such as lockdowns, social distancing, and travel bans, have become mechanisms of power used by perpetrators to isolate victims from the outside world. As we continue to fight to end the silence on child sexual abuse, today we are going to find out how COVID-19 has increased the risk of children to be victims of sexual exploitation. Joining us today is Noptula Kabaza, founder of Unati Children's Network Trust and an activist for children's rights. I'm uh, Noctula Gavaza, uh, the founding executive director at Unati Children's Network Trust. Uh, it's a, a Zimbabwean-based uh, registered organization that advocates for all the rights of children. Uh, what we actually uh, do is uh, we have come in as custodians for the child rights. We um, go in the ground and actually do research on what is actually happening in the different communities of our country and uh, in our neighboring countries as well, because we are not only uh, affiliated to working on issues of children here in the country, but also in other member states as well. So what you find that is that you find us um, doing uh, projects whereby we are researching, uh, we are implementing projects uh, such as a feeding campaign that we started last year in March in the first uh, lockdown that took place in the country. So Unati Children's Network Trust um, actually serves and serve uh, the communities through advocating for all the rights of children. That's what we do. It, it is uh, challenging. It's not an easy walk uh, on the park. But then um, as we have uh, brought ourselves to this line of work, it's a mandate for us to actually uh, make sure that we actually bring out uh, positive results for every project that we do. So as much as it's not easy um, in the work that we implement, we try by all means to actually uh, bring a positive um, um, outcome in all the work that we do. Uh, the first question of the day is what do you understand by sexual harassment or sexual exploitation of minors? Uh, a sexual um, harassment or sexual exploitation of minors, this is when a child uh, who is uh, mostly uh, under the age of 16, which is the age of consent, is taken advantage of uh, through solicitating um, a child is given gifts money uh, or promise something so good in exchange of um, sex or a sexual relationship. That's uh, what a sexual exploitation is. So you find that this is um, a common practice in so many countries where we find children being abused in that manner. 
this is a very common um, in rural areas, peri-urban, even in urban areas, um, depending on the setup and of that of the community. So let me give you my fixed example in the rural areas, whereby you find that uh, there are so many vulnerable children in that community. And because they need an, uh, a, a, a living, they need food, they need a means to an end, you find that a perpetrator, that it could be a businessman, it could be a family member, it could be an uncle, it could be even an aunt, they would actually abuse uh, such vulnerable children because they need uh, food, they need clothing, they need education, they need to live well like other children who are privileged. So you find that such kids are actually prone to uh, sex uh, exploitation. I'll give an example of... Uh, uh, a place where we're actually doing a program there at Inyati. Inyati is in Matirele, North Andabubi District. Uh, we introduced a feeding aid program there for 200 orphans and vulnerable children in the first lockdown of the, of the country last year uh, in March 2020. So you find that in that area, it's a, a mining uh, prone area. There's so much of artisanal mining. Uh, yes, there's professional mining as well, but there are so many of these in indigenous miners who are um, in that place uh, mining gold especially. So you find that um, now there are these uh, children who are vulnerable. Some of them are orphans. Some of them, uh, they're just vulnerable because the parents cannot afford to give them, you know, basic living. They live under a dollar a day means so such children now, they get sexually exploited, especially the girl child, because she needs food, she needs clothing, she needs to go to school. So now the perpetrators now become the indigenous miners, Omakorokoza, that's what we call them, or Okweja, you know. Uh, and now because they know that this child actually needs food. So they'll say, okay, if you want me to give you money for food, you have a, a relationship with me. Or they'll actually say, oh, at home, you, you, you don't have food, uh, you need clothing. So if you become my girlfriend, I'll take care of your needs. So these are some of the issues that are taking place, especially in mining areas. And this is not only taking place at Inyati, but in each and every mining area in the country, you find that the girl child is uh, prone to um, abuse in form of sexual exploitation sexual abuse and and then you actually find that there is more of child marriages taking place in those areas whereby a child has been impregnated by uh, that indigenous minor the parents don't speak out about it because they want his money they don't report that their child has been abused and she's now pregnant uh, uh, out of that relationship with a minor, they don't report on his purpose. And this is so saddening because so many, uh, uh, so many girl children, um, their lives have gone to waste because they have been taken advantage of. In urban areas now, when you talk of uh, sex exploitation, I'm not so sure if you've heard of the illegal house parties that uh, have stormed uh, the two major cities, Harare and Blawayo, whereby uh, teenagers would actually have a house party, an illegal house party, where they are abusing uh, alcohol and, and drugs. So you actually find that uh, the girl child is actually being sexually exploited in, uh, in these house parties. And then in our modern world of ICT, sexual exploitation now comes in in the form of technology, whereby um, we have allowed our children to find counsel and guidance in, in, the, in the world of internet. Uh, we, we don't know what our children 
are watching, what advice they are taking in the in, in internet. And um, we have allowed kids to actually see all sorts of things. The girl child or even the boy child as well goes through uh, child pornography, uh, child exploitation in, in, in the internet world where they solicit, uh, solicit sex um, in the internet. I don't know um, if, you, if you can come across a situation whereby a 13-year-old boy actually uh, invited uh, a sex worker, a prostitute, to come to his home so that he could encounter a night with her. This is a 13-year-old uh, inviting um, inviting a prostitute to come with, with that woman. While lockdown measures are vital to stop the spread of COVID-19, investigations by the Center for Innovation and Technology found that being confined in the home area has heightened the risk of children to online sexual exploitation. Due to school closures and the introduction of online learning, children are now spending a lot of time on the internet, exposing them to cyber criminals. In light of this development, parents and guardians have a huge role to play in monitoring their children's digital activities. that we have uh, tried to preach, uh, especially to parents and the community, where we're saying uh, it's high time parents actually come down to the level of, of the children. The children are fast. Uh, they have embraced the, the world of technology more than their parents. However, it, it would be great when parents actually say to themselves, oh, my child um, has so much respect for kids are getting advices through internet. So it's high time parents want to know what is Instagram, what is Facebook, what is Google, what is what is Twitter, what is it that these kids are so fascinated about in, in these various social media handles that um, they spend so much time in. And once parents actually understand the world of technology, it becomes easy for a parent to actually advise um, and give counsel to their children on the dangers of internet because a parent cannot say stop using internet when they don't know what internet is all about. Internet has good um, advantages. Actually, it has so many advantages that you find there. And it has other effects as well. So parents need to actually learn and understand uh, what internet is, what good does internet bring, what are the, the repercussions of um, always using internet? What is it that you find in internet which is so grossly not good for a child? So these, that's the first step that a parent needs to actually learn and say, this is what I need to sit down and understand so that I can be, uh, I can be and give better guidance to, to a child who's actually using internet because education now is now revolved around ICT and internet being involved. So you cannot say to a child, stop using internet because they need that for research. But at the same time, what are they uh, coming across with as they are using that internet? So it is advisable that a parent who knows what the world of ICT is about so that they're able to help a child.
Going back to the issue where you talked about artisanal minors and family members supporting such relationships, uh, how can uh, people like neighbors or maybe community uh, leaders be able to identify such situations uh, like uh, how minors are being abused and how family members are supporting and not reporting such cases? All right. Um when uh, such um, abuses take place, it is the sole responsibility of the community to report such uh, issues. They should report to the police uh, when they see a child being abused, when they see a minor uh, in a relationship with someone way older than them and uh, noticing what is actually happening to that child. It is the responsibility of the community to do that. They should also report uh, parents or family members who are actually solicitating their children, trading their children to actually uh, get married to, to these perpetrators. Um, I usually say uh, when you actually trade your child into early marriage when they're a minor, that is good as rape. So when you find a family uh, actually trading their child for marriage and yet they're minors, report them. They're actually uh, contributing towards statutory rape of their child. What are the right questions to ask? You don't want to scare the victim away or to make the victim uh, hide away or shy away from telling you what's happening to them. So what are the proper questions to ask if you suspect that someone is being sexually harassed? Firstly, make them feel free to talk to you. And then uh, ask them how, how do you feel about what you're going through? And and um, tell them to freely talk to you. We are not here to judge you, but we need you to express yourself. Your, your expressions, the way you feel, it matters because it will help them, um, help us actually to, to find out what is, what is actually going on. But if you just go there and say, how did you come to an extent of opening your legs to that man? Already, you're judgmental. But now when you go to, to, to that child and say, how do you feel about what you have gone through? How do you feel about being a nine-year-old who's a prostitute? I'm going to, to get to that issue of nine-year-olds who are prostitutes uh, who are prostitutes at airport. We have kids who have actually come out and they, uh, they are freely speaking about uh, how they are solicitating sex to men. So now trying to find out what they're going through allow them to freely express how they go about it every day. You know, just go to, okay, I would love to know uh, how you feel when you say to that old man, I'm available for you tonight and get your nine. How do you feel when, when, you go through, when you go through that experience? Don't you feel like saying no at times? What stops you from saying no? You see, so a child needs to feel that you are down at their level and you, you need to understand them and you're not there to judge them, but you're there to help them. Uh, so many times you find that when people want to know about what's happening in the child's life who is being abused, they, they become so judgmental and they use this judgmental approach. You find someone saying, but you're supposed to be in school and you spend the day solicitating yourself. How are you going to have... A future. Already that's wrong. Already the child feels, I cannot talk to you. But when you go there and say, 
you know what? I need to spend the day with you. I need to learn what you go through. And the moment I know what you go through, I'm, I may have answers. I may have answers for you that will take you out of what you're going through right now. And when you give a child that safe space, because that's what they need, a safe space where they can freely talk about what they're going through, we can help so many of these kids. But the fact that uh, we have few or none of those of those safe spaces where the kids can come and they can fully talk about why they have chosen to be prostitutes at nine years old, why they have allowed perpetrators to abuse them, what has contributed to all those things. There's a lot that they want to tell us, but have we created enough room? Have we created an inclusive environment where they can come to us and talk to us about what they go through? Not only the girl child, even the boy children as well. They go through sex exploitation. They go through abuse. In, in, even at home, there's a case that uh, came out a, a few months back of a young boy who was sexually abused by a maid. You see, so it's not only about the girl child, even the boy child as well. Uh, goes through uh, all forms of sexual abuses, even at home, um, even you know in the in the play areas where they are, they've faced all those abuses. But now, because so much attention has been given to a girl child, the boy child cannot talk about being abused. He feels less of a man if he says, I was abused, I was raped as a boy. They cannot talk about those things. So where I'm actually driving you at is we need to create a safe space for children so that they can be able to talk about the issues that they go through, especially related to sex exploitation. And going back to the issue of child prostitutes, how have you been uh, dealing with such cases and as an organization? What kind of support system have you put in place to support those children and to help them get back to school or get back their life that have been lost? All right. Uh, as United Children's Network Trust, um, what we have done uh, since last year, was uh, having the feeding aid program for the 200 orphans and vulnerable children so that we would actually give them something that would keep them away from those abuses. So in the feeding aid program, they would be uh, catered uh, two meals a day, breakfast and lunch. And uh, after having those meals, they'll have some activities that they'll do before they go back home. And that would actually keep them away from the mines where they would actually um, uh, go through child labor and sex exploitation of their children. Uh, more so, UNATI has uh, introduced what uh, we have uh, called UNATI scholarship, where we're actually catering uh, school fees for vulnerable children, uh, orphans and vulnerable children, the offices, uh, across the country. So right now what we're doing is we're having our various databases on these uh, children that we're going to be supporting and uh, their tuition is going to be catered for. So having a child's fees is being catered for, it helps them not to be out there, but they'll be at school. After school, they go home. And uh, we cannot um, do more of it without support of friends, uh, well-wishers who would want to expand this project because right now we just have a small uh, number of kids who are actually um, benefiting from that. But we wish we could cover so much, just like the feeding aid program. Our vision is to cater for 200,000 orphans and vulnerable children by the year 2023. But we cannot achieve that if we don't have 
a support or backing system to to have that. And um, us having the kids out of the streets, it would make a whole lot of difference in our country and uh, in other borders as well. Remember, UNATI is not only growing in Zimbabwe, but we're also stretching our wings in uh, in other countries as well. Um, on Saturday, uh, if I'm allowed to mention, we're actually going to be visiting one of the vulnerable communities in South Africa, where we actually want to look at how, especially as a vulnerable Zimbabwean woman and her children are surviving in a foreign land, why why would uh, why would they want to come back home? Uh, do they want to come back home? What challenges are they facing? What forms of, of abuse are they facing? So as we are growing, not only nationally, but um, across Africa, these are some issues that we need to put on the table and find out how can we assist so many of these vulnerable women and vulnerable children across um, our borders and within our country. During my research, I discovered that one of the reasons uh, why minors don't report uh, harassment is because of the stigmatization surrounding sexual harassment that uh, we as the society, we uh, tend to turn a blind eye and accuse them of having done something to invite such behaviors. Um, and also there is a misconception, I don't know it's a misconception or it's a belief uh, that men value themselves by taking young girls' virginity. It's like, it, it, it's a more like a masculinity thing to say, I am the man because I did that. I took her virginity away and I've taken maybe 10 girls' virginity. So what is our cultural system's uh, role in uh, feathering the stigmatization of victims of sexual harassment? All right, our cultural system has actually contributed towards uh, the feather uh, stereotyping, branding, uh, and discrimination of girls who have been abused. It's taboo to talk about being uh, abused by a man, a man who's actually respected in the society. Who dares talk about uh, someone who's actually bringing in a, a, a change, in, in, uh, like an economic change in a community? How can you talk about that man who is so wealthy and rich? How can you talk about that man who's a religious leader? I'm bringing you to an issue that uh, we're actually uh, helping in fighting, uh, and uh, we've actually handed it over to one of our, our sister organization, uh, Justice for Children. Where does this a young girl, uh, she just turned 16, she's happily pregnant, she's delivering next month. This girl has been sexually abused by a man of the cloth. Um, him being, uh, should I call him a pastor or an apostle of the apostolic sex, uh, right here in Harare, in the urban city, uh, the man approaches this girl when she was 14. That's when it all started. And uh, he was like, uh, God uh, made him dream of the young girl and he was kissing her. And through kissing this girl and uh, having sexual relations with her, this girl was going to be uh, made intelligent at school. 
she was going to be bright. She was she was going to, to have it all. This is a man of the cloth who, who is taking advantage of uh, a young girl. And then she was 14. And this had been taking, uh, was uh, taking place for quite some time. And uh, this girl couldn't report because it's a respected man of the cloth. How do you respect a pastor that he's abusing me? How do you open your mouth and say all those things? And uh, it came to a point whereby when she got pregnant, the man in question tried to abort the pregnancy uh, illegally would uh, inject her with virus injections so that the baby would come out to the point that uh, he failed to do so. So you see now, uh, you find that uh, so many of these kids cannot report, cannot talk about these uh, sexual abuses that they're going through because of the perpetrator. The perpetrator is someone respectable in the community. How do you talk about that person? It could be a religious leader, a political leader, or a wealthy businessman in, in the community. And the moment you open your mouth and say, this man abused me, you are branded the wrong person. You are trying to bring this man down because he's uh, someone great in the community. You are trying to give him a bad name. So that's why you find so many of these kids cannot speak about all these forms of abuses that they actually go through because that person is uh, a figure, a role model in the community, and that person is respected in the community. Therefore, their image cannot be tainted. That's a very worrisome thing to feel, to think like uh, you expect churches to be safe environments for children or for women, but now they've turned out to be the very den of thieves whereby men are harassing women. And this is not the first time I'm hearing of such a story. Uh, it's unfortunate right now you're telling me about a minor. Usually I've heard, heard about old women uh, being made to provide sexual favors for these prophets and uh, pastors in our communities. So how, as an organization, are you educating young girls about such situations, how to report them, and how to identify that they are now in, in danger when they are with such men uh, behind closed doors? Because usually these things, they happen behind closed doors in the name of we are praying for exactly. you, we are yes. removing demons, we are going to help you get a better life from that. All right. Um, as an organization, what we, we have actually done is to have a memorandum of understandings with the organizations that uh, do what you call toll-free calling, uh, whereby a child can anonymously call and talk about what they are going through. It could be abuse or it could be reporting uh, issues of uh, drug abuse in the community and, and, and so forth. And uh, also partnering with organizations that are actually dealing with the issues of mental health, because when a child goes through this, their mental health is disturbed. So um, having this in line now, uh, it's something that has actually um, started now. So we're having kids who would uh, call in and talk about uh, these issues uh, the, the forms of abuse that they are going through. And um, our supporting partners now with their uh, relevant skill of um, counseling and therapy, they will then engage the child and uh, talk to them about what is actually going on. Not only are we stopping there, but also we are moving into schools where we would actually talk to um, children about having the spirit of talking when they encounter forms of abuses they need to report 
gone are the days where you say, I'm scared of reporting, but reporting can be done anonymously as well, whereby you need to actually protect yourself from being victimized. So uh, we're actually uh, sensitizing kids to actually report all forms of abuses. It could be you being abused. It could be uh, the, uh, um, your friend uh, or another student being abused and you know about it and you know uh, that friend would actually not report that issue. So you would report on their uh, on their behalf and uh, you report anonymously so that they can actually protect themselves from being um, victimized for reporting such um, issues. So this is what um, UNATI has started and we're hoping that this uh, program is going to stretch across the country and uh, we're going to do so much awareness to all the kids in our nation. I was reading a news article recently. It said uh, sexual harassment cases have increased by 50% in Zimbabwe ever since the pandemic started and ever since the lockdown started. So is there a way of preventing sexual exploitation and harassment? And how can as families, as members of the community, prevent such behaviors and make sure our homes or our communities are safe areas for our children? All right. Um, as an organization, we believe that sexual uh, exploitation and sexual harassment can be fought through engaging parents and guidance first. So uh, having community workshops where we talk about these issues, it all comes back to parenting. So when uh, we have these workshops whereby we talk about parenting skills, truth be told, nowadays, uh, children are being brought up. As an organization, we believe that sexual uh, exploitation and sexual harassment can be fought through engaging parents and guidance first. So uh, having community workshops whereby we talk about these issues, it all comes back to parenting. So when uh, we have these workshops whereby we talk about parenting skills, truth be told, nowadays, uh, children are being brought up using a Wi-Fi system or what we call Bluetooth parenting, whereby the parent is not there. Yes, we cannot blame them because they need to work so that they can bring food on the table. But at the same time, they, there has been a generation gap between parent and child. There's so much space in between. And hence, you find that the child cannot confide in a parent. The, the child cannot talk about issues that are affecting them with the parent. So the issue of parenting now comes into play. And uh, hence, we're saying we need to actually come down to, uh, uh, to, to the table and find ways of improving parenting skills, right? As much as um, parents are out there, they're working for, for their children, but they need to have time for these kids, time to know what they're thinking, time to uh, find out what's troubling them, be it at home, be it at school, be it out there where they go. The parent needs to know. A parent needs to be a best friend to their children. Your, the, the neighbor's child cannot be your, be your child's best friend, but you as a parent, you need to be your child's best friend. You need to know everything that uh, actually takes place in, in your child's life. So, so these are uh, down to basic things that need to be done, which is parenting skills. And once um, parents are actually um, uh, brought together, uh, through workshop, boot camp, and they actually realized that the way they were brought up is quite different from the way these um, 
current this generation uh, needs to be brought up, then it will be uh, quite easier for parents to actually not how they can help kids. Because if you would want to raise up a child the way uh, children of the 80s were brought up, it's totally different. And um, if they would understand all those things, it becomes even easier. So parenting skills is the major way um, we would actually try and help in the issue of sexual harassment, especially during this lockdown. Um, you find that the issue of depression, the issue of mental wellness in Africa, when you talk about mental wellness and depression, they'll ask you, oh, what is that? That is a westernized illness. It doesn't happen in Africa, but it does. So many of, of our generation, the kids today, they suffer depression. They suffer mental health um, related uh, issues. And this is that they need to be made aware, aware of. There should be awareness campaigns on uh, issues of depression and mental health wellness. So we need to talk about these things. So many kids during the COVID area, not only were they going through abuses, but also suicides. A child tries to take their life because they're, they're, they're having depression. What is making them depressed? They need a, a place where they can communicate with their parent, but the parent is not available. The, the parent is there physically, but they are not there. And hence a child um, is so depressed to the point that they feel, I'd rather take my life. Or they'll attempt depression, they'll attempt suicide uh, so that they can have attention. They want to seek attention through um, attempted suicide. So these are things that we need to sit down, uh, engage parents, engage so many stakeholders, the religious, um, uh, the religious sects, um, the city fathers, the city mothers, and other various uh, stakeholders to actually find ways of having parents understand who their children are. All right, uh, what I would love to say, especially to children, is that they have a chance and they should actually guard it so much because they have so much potential to do so much that they need. And it's up to them to shape their world. And if they don't do that, if now it, it, it may be late one day for them to achieve what they want to do. And being a child doesn't mean that you should cage yourself. You, you, sh you should uh, not speak out what you feel. Being a child doesn't mean that you're supposed to be mute. You should speak out. And speaking out doesn't mean that you're disrespectful, but how you actually convey your message towards what you need, it will help you attain so many things. If you aspire to go to school and you're in a, in a, a, a vulnerable community, it is up to you to go to the, the leader next to you and say, I want to go to school, but my parents cannot afford it. If you don't do, do that, no one can do it for you. If you don't bring yourself out there, no one will recognize you. But the moment you step out and say, this is what I want to achieve. I want to be something great in life. You can achieve it. We are given chances in life. We are given uh, so 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 much privileges that we need to actually make use of them. And uh, parents now, stop looking to parenting children. 
we are killing our, our generation by loser parenting. We need to find time. We need to create time to be with our kids. We need to stop being mother and father, but we need to start becoming friends to our children because that's what they need. Uh, that's why you find a young boy wants to date an old woman. They are looking for a mother in those women. A mother who's there at home but is not actually there. That's why you find so many of our young men right now, they're, they're just out there, they want to date these old women. It's because they are looking for motherly love. They need someone who's going to actually, um, you know, give them that love that they deserve as a son. So these are things that we need to be wary of and uh, we should actually change in that aspect. And as communities, um, in uh, Eastern, we say, and it takes a village to bring up a child. Let us differ from that mentality whereby we say uh, a neighbor's child is a neighbor's child. No, a neighbor's child is your child as well. A neighbor's child is my child as well. And it takes a team to bring out a child. When a neighbor's child is, is uh, actually running away from the lane, it's up to us, the parents in the community, to help in uh, getting that child toward the line. So we should defer from that mentality where we say, oh, that, that's none of my business. But it is our business because we are a community and we should not lo lose our African essence of bringing up children because we are slowly or fast being westernized or having a Western type of thinking where a person minds their own business. I raise my child on my own. But we have grown up in that African instance where we say we grow up as a community and we look after each other as a community. So these are things that I would love to say and leave uh, in this awesome discussion that you've uh, invited us to be part of. The future of our children is in our hands. It is our duty to protect them from the evils of this world. The time to break the silence on child sexual exploitation is now. Reject, resist, and report child sexual abuse. For further assistance for child sexual exploitation, please contact the Zimbabwe Republic Police on their toll-free number 08 Zero zero three two 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 nine one one or on nine five five. Alternatively, you can send them a WhatsApp message on zero seven one two eight zero zero one nine seven. You can also contact Childline Zimbabwe on one one six.